to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. And if you've been following along with us in these last few episodes of 2020, um, I sat down with frequent guest Jackson Smith to talk about The Matrix Reloaded. Uh, That episode is up right now. The Matrix Revolutions half will be dropping in a few days. But in the meantime, as a little uh, holiday bonus, I'm throwing out some outtakes from the episode I did in 2019 with Freddie Yanis for our 100th episode. We did a two-part discussion on the original Matrix And there ended up being about a half hour of sort of deleted outtakes, little tangents that we went on, things that weren't 100% related to the movie. And uh, I've compiled them all here. This once was a Patreon exclusive, but since I'm completely redoing the Patreon page uh, and profile going forward for 2021, it made sense to just send this out there with the rest of the Matrix content that the show has produced. So... Uh, here is a compilation of Freddie and I talking about a bunch of stuff related to The Matrix. Enjoy. Kai made a good point. She said, well, I feel like the, this hadn't really, this kind of movie that really, um, really complex and that really challenges casual moviegoers and cinephiles alike to be like, hey, come on, you, you guys are smart. You can get this. Come on this journey with us. I, she said, she really pointed out that uh, there really hadn't been another one like that until something like Inception, yeah. Which again delves into deals with dreams a lot, which is also interesting. Yeah. So there's something with that topic that uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's. I, I don't think there's been any. Of course, like I said, I'm biased, but I don't think there's been any movie that blows your mind like The Matrix has, and uh, at least before The Matrix, right? You know what is what is the the previous generations like well there's like 2001 a space the, odyssey there's a lot of the, movies so. oh it's people you know like the, the what planet is it, of the apes the, i think no is it well, maybe one? yeah planet of the apes planet yeah. of the apes is but a that's a one. moment that's not like a movie right well it's true because the whole but that whole that's a mind it's like a, a moment not a mind it's like a, a sixth sense style twist where the yeah. whole time you think you're in this fantasy world and you're like oh my god this is earth because we the whole the implication of the end of that movie is that we blew it up. We uh, humans, humanity had such tensions rising amongst them that they ended up in a like world-ending nuclear war. Where then it's it, it, kind it, of the same thing that happened in the Matrix. Sort of, way, yeah, in a way. They, they, we led to our own destruction. They, we led to our own destruction. I mean, that's the premise of a lot of movies. That's a big sci-fi, yeah. But um, thing. but we 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 became so power-hungry that we and we relied on AI so much that the AI decided to take over like several other movies decide to go with. Um, and then we tried to hit the skies to because we we're solar powered at the time. Uh, we kind of destroyed the world. You get a little bit out in the Animatrix. There's the, the second Renaissance, parts one and two, mm-hmm. that really delves into how the war with the machines started and how it evolved and, and all of that. You know, I, I, up until this point, I think my favorite movies were like Jim Carrey comedies and like Batman sequels and like Batman Forever and things like, again, with Jim Carrey, um, yeah. which is why I picked Ace Ventura when I did my episode. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, so I, I, you know, I didn't really realize how much purpose and how much you could stuff into a film, like how much meat you could put on those bones, really. 
So this was the movie that really helped me realize that that was a that was a thing that you could do. I hadn't seen, you know, I hadn't seen a lot of the classic films at this point. Uh, it was mostly just you know whatever was popular in the nineties. Yeah, you hadn't seen Pulp Fiction. Independence. Di- mm, no, not really. Our parents didn't really let me watch Pop- Pulp Fiction, oh, so I didn't really you. seek it out until I think maybe around Kill Bill time, like in my late teens. I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was Jurassic Park and Independence Day, like other Jeff Goldblum movies, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it's all Jim Carrey and Jeff Goldblum Jeff, movies. Basically. Oh, when they were in a movie called Earth Girls Are Easy in like the late 80s, early 90s, which okay. is a weird movie. Um, it's your favorite movie? No, no, it's not. I didn't. I rented it. We rented it one time and I was like, what the hell is this? This is weird. Because I was like, Jim Carrey's in it? What? It's so, um, it's so Jim Carrey and Jeff Goldblum. I was like, my two favorite movie stars. <laughs> They're both the quirkiest actors, too, though. They, well, so, I don't know if I would quirkiest but they're up there i don't know you you see interviews with both of them they both have like they i mean they're they're wonderful they're so great to watch because you know i've actually they have so many like this uh, is already like this is like a a tangent this is like wait this is like a tangent within a tangent but i've because jeff goldblum's in the mcu as the grandmaster in the marvel movies and i've seen people being like hey they should bring in when they bring in reed richards they should bring in like an older reed richards and i've seen people be like jim carrey would be awesome at that it's like a like an older like established reed richards and i was like i could totally see that actually because his whole thing when he started out uh when he started out his career was he played in a movie called rubber face and he was like you know the way he could move his body so it'd be kind of interesting if he would play like an elastic man in a movie would be the kind of an interesting way to play off of that so kevin feige if you're listening to the crooked table podcast Jim Carrey, call him up. It would have been cool if they... Give me my my percentage. (laughs) That would have been cool if they they, uh, cast him as a collector. Yeah, that would have been good too. Because him and the Grandmaster, uh, they have some relation. They're brothers or something. Yeah, they're brothers or something. That would have been really cool to have have that relation between them. I'm still holding out hope. Jim Carrey's doing a lot of things now again. So maybe one of these days. Anyway, back to The Matrix. Um, The sequels I think you and I both enjoy, but... They're very much a mixed bag where some of what they do are, are really interesting and really cool. And then all other stuff, you're like, okay, we didn't need this. I was, I've always fantasized about doing kind of a fan edit uh, of two and three as like one movie because it does feel like so Dragon. elongated. Yeah. Do, you, do you agree that those two movies are fun but obviously not great? They're entertaining, yes, but... Don't ask me any questions about them because I don't. You don't the Matrix is my favorite movie. The other two, I pretty much like. Yeah, and that's they don't exist. It's interesting. Almost. Like this movie, um, you know, this movie was such a, a such a cinematic like landmark. Um, but you know, you don't. People don't. Re- I feel like in the in in the, like third like decades from now, I feel like even now, honestly, if you ask young people like teenagers now, they're like, oh yeah, The Matrix. I know that movie. That's like before I was born whatever I'll be like did you know they made sequels to that I feel like they'll be like really there are sequels like I feel like it's gonna be one of those things that people discover discover years from now and be surprised that there were sequels to this movie because it's not talked about as a make the Matrix trilogy you know it's a Star Wars trilogy the Lord of the Rings trilogy nobody talks about the Matrix as a trilogy but it, you know they, it is a trilogy it's just yeah. the sequels were uh, well not very well received in general and uh, you know I understand why because I feel the same way I want to turn it into a cash cow yeah I mean and there's in interesting, a way, there are know, good I mean, ideas in there it's a good movie but it doesn't have the same um, 
artisticness, I guess you could say, yeah. as the first one. Right. And well, it's like it's almost like they fell in love with their own mythology and they decided to push it way too like too far to the point where they're like, oh, so we have to explain. Now there's like how, werewolves. Yeah, we have to explain how werewolves and... exist in this world. I'm like, nobody was asking that. Nobody cares about it. Why are there ghost people? What is up with these dudes with the these albino guys with the dreadlocks? What the hell is happening? Like yeah. they went too far. Like I like what they did with um, the main the main three i like what they did with smith especially i think yuga weaving is the best part of those sequels mm-hmm. honestly because he's the only one i think that realizes because his performance is on another level i think he's the only one that realizes that those films are not at their core not particularly good and so he's having a blast just playing everything mr anderson yeah the way he does like he, he does some of that here but in there it's like forget it he's really hamming it up by the time you get to the third one he's got his like like drawn out maniacal like Dr. Evil style laugh uh, and you know when he, when he takes care of the oracle and things like that I have a theory about the agents <clears throat> because they're all like white they're all like very very Caucasian like middle aged white men basically uh-huh. right yes. or like the agent Smith I think is I think Hugo Weaving was at least 40 when he made when he made this movie right about yeah. there or like thereabouts late 30s early 40s but he's got like the receding hairline and things so it's they're all pretty much like middle let's say middle aged white men and so I have this theory that because they're because of that I feel like they represent kind of the and this might be tell me if you, if you is this a race thing? it's a race thing but it's also a gender thing too um uh, tell me if you can call me out if you think I'm reading too much into this. Um, but to me, they, it feels like they really represent like the the oppression of like the patriarchy and things like that. And I even noticed in, that um, that they're white men and they seem particularly pissed with Neo. And you can almost read into it that it's kind of a metaphor of like the white patriarchy being pissed at a white man for kind of rebelling against the system, literally in this case. Because remember, think about this. Neo is like one of the is the only the only white men in the Nebuchadnezzar crew. There's him and there's Cipher, Cipher, who betrays Morpheus and goes back to the white patriarchy, and Neo who does the opposite. But other than that, it's there's women and there's different minorities like black people and you know different so minorities. Is this like a like a Bill and Ted situation. Bill and Ted. What do you mean, Bill and Ted? Because Bill and Ted is all about like against the patriarchy and. Well, I mean, you can read into it. There's a lot of. There's a lot, and I think that. Are you saying <laughs> that that's the same character in the Matrix, and that he grew cool. up? I'd be cool with that. He grew up, became a programmer, and now they took the time machine, went back. <laughs> And then and then he stayed Took in the matrix. Over the world. Became a cop. Became. Ended up on a bus that had to go keep going over. What was it? Fifty. That was a program. <laughs> it was a it was a test. It was the, the speed. You know protocol. If if all of this was under one studio, that would be fantastic. That would be to go and and just be like this was one program the whole time. So what do you, what do you think about that read on it? Like I think that they they have certain themes they're trying to get across, and it feels like that that is one way that they're sort of baking that into the the structure of the film and, and the characters. I yeah, I see where you're where you're going. With yeah, it. I just feel like I mean you don't have to if you don't want to focus on that you could look at it. Yeah, at the I, level, I, but that's what's so great about this movie. Yeah, they are so they levels. are around the same age and they yeah. are. It's like how dare are, you? They are all guy. white. <laughs> Yes, and they're the only <laughs> other than Neo who they're see they really have they have like especially Smith has like this vendetta against. Yeah. 
there's Cypher who goes bad, and then all the other bad, all the other white men in the movie are bad in this movie. And when we get to the sequels, then it's like there's Counselor Han, and then there's the architect, and it gets more complicated. But the, with Smith, I think his arc is the most interesting in throughout the trilogy. And this movie kind of plants the seeds that he ends up being more of an anarchist. You know what I mean? So there's there's the system where everybody's literally plugged into it, programmed to work their nine to five corporate jobs, wear their suit and tie, and which is literally the part where Morpheus and Neo are walking through. And obviously, it ends up not being the Matrix, yeah. But it ends up being a, a test program. But still, everybody's just walking. You can imagine all getting to their little jobs with their bagel and their newspaper in hand, trying to clock in, clock out, and bullshit. Yeah. Um, like that's that's their image of that. Uh, so there's that system. There's the people that are against the system, and then Smith. They're like, "Hey, both sides, middle fingers to both of you." I live my own life. He's like, basically the Joker in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah. Uh, in Gotham City, criminals want to steal. They want to profit. They want to do their thing, and then Batman stops them. And Joker's like, "I don't care. I'll steal a pile of money and burn it. I don't give a shit. I'm just here to start to stir things up because that's what I do. That's my function. I'm the virus in this scenario. Yeah. And it's funny that he mentions about." humanity being a virus and then it was sort of evolving into a virus in the sequels essentially yes. so what do you think of uh, Keanu Reeves in this movie Like, cause I, I, this was supposed to be Will Smith initially and Will Smith is like yeah, I don't know if this is what I want to do after what was it Men in Black probably or whatever at the time um, so what do you think about Keanu do you think he was the right choice for this movie and I guess why um yeah I th- that's interesting because it's it's interesting to, to picture Will Smith in this role instead of Keanu it would be Reeves. a totally different movie. I feel I like, feel like it would be. I mean, I feel like Keanu Reeves would play the bewildered, like what the hell is happening, <sighs> like yeah, uh, character more than Will Smith was. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like like the only way I can picture it is like Will Smith and men in black when he first realizes that there's aliens and stuff. But even then it's not like as much of a bewilderment as Keanu Reeves goes through in right. this movie. So, I mean, it, it's possible that Will Smith could have played this role, but I, I'm still, uh, Happy privy to, up, yeah. to having Keanu Reeves yeah. just because it's perfect the way it is. Well, <laughs> And, um, yeah, he does kind of bring that sense of wonder to it. Uh, and, and I'll go, sorry. And then, oh, sorry. And another thing, it's, it's um, and just, like, the hair and everything, too. Yeah. Will Smith usually has his hair, like, cut down Very, already. Like, buzzed or sort of. Yeah, yeah. so it, it just having, like, little things like him having a full head of hair in one scene when he's in the Matrix or in a program, um, as in when he's in the real world, mm-hmm. he, he has it completely shaved off. That um, adds more to the fact that you know he's Wait. he's he's been he's been reborn. And, I was gonna say yeah, and to, I was the, say, and to the shock shave. factor. He didn't have it shaved off. He's a baby. He's just growing hair for the first yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah, exactly. And uh, and and the shock factor when he wakes up and he's completely bald. He has no right. hair on him whatsoever. Right. Um, that would have uh, that moment. Uh, is a lot more shocking than if it was Will Smith with his short hair and then he has like a little bit shorter hair. Right. You know, so. Well, there's also. Unless they gave him like, you know, a wig or something. I don't know. (laughs) 
Um, or bigger hair. I don't know. Damn, I haven't stopped talking about sequels so much. But in the second one, but it's hard to not look at I don't it. know that much about this. The, you don't remember as much about them? Nah, I, I kind of just pretend like... I mean, they're entertaining, but right. I'd like to think it as The Matrix is this one film. I saw them more. I saw them more, than often, more often than you did. Because I, like, I feel like this movie was was meant to be like one film. Right. I don't know and if it was ever intended. Up, and then they were like, ah, what else will we okay, do? So we'll expand the, the mythos and, right. and make it, you know, werewolves and these ghosts. And, you know, he has all these powers now, so we have to throw things at him that are beyond everything because the original uh, uh, antagonist is... They've, they're being destroyed very easily, so we have to turn Mr. Smith into into a uh, virus. Um, we have to turn. Uh, we have to create all these like like ghost people and stuff right. to have a true antagonist for Neo to fight. Otherwise, it'd just be a very easy film and very quick film. Right. So there has to be some conflict. So it, once once you get out of the the first film, kind of has like an indie-ish vibe to it. Oh yeah, very much and, so. And uh, and the second and third get like more of a blockbuster uh, feel. And the CG, which interest the, the CG in the sequels, especially the second one, not aged well at all. Like that looks goofy as shit. Because the whole they because, brawl thing, they went too they, crazy with it. When they did the CGI in the first one, it was for key moments that it needed CGI. In this one, yeah. Yes. But for the, but when you start getting into blockbusters, then it's like, I want to throw CGI at every single possible thing. Well, when you throw so much CGI at a film, that costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the money for the expensive CGI, you get subpar CGI. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and when you don't, and for instance, the Matrix, they saved their their CGI money. Well, they had for more shots. They had a, a, a tighter budget for the first one. For the first one, yeah, exactly. So they, but but also they spent all their money for very crucial scenes to have it on. You know, yeah, and. Even even uh, the part where like again where he his mouth is being glued together, they don't even show it when it starts being glued together. It cuts to Agent Smith and then it cuts back to him and he's already like halfway glued. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. a big like you know budget thing that they they incorporated in there. They could have did it from the beginning of if it's not being glued together, but they decide not to for money purposes. Yeah. I mean, little things like that that they probably looked at. And, uh, you know, when you, when you scale it to a blockbuster, it's not going to... It's just not going to have the same quality. Yeah, this cost, time. by the way, this cost $63 uh, million. The first one? Right, which is not, not that much considering it's a sci-fi movie. You know, yeah, because most of it is is stunts. Most of it is stunts, uh, stunts, and there's there's very there's very little CGI. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty much all stunts. I can't the maybe the part of the work, helicopter. Yeah. the CG is the, the the Sentinels themselves are probably the most obvious use of CG in the movie. Yes, uh, the like the ship moving around and like some of the shots we get of that. Uh, the like the exterior of the Nebuchadnezzar, uh, but other than that, it's like mostly like 
the, the, bullet, the, the bullet time and like you know the morphing of faces and things like that but even with that there's a few there's like some creative ways where when agent smith takes over a different person it's like uh like the homeless man in the subway gets like the code on his face and then the subway the train whizzes by and then it's agent smith like you yeah don't it's like shit. a clever like, way it's like if you watch you know the flash things like that like half the time you don't like see him running fast you guys like a whoosh of air and you're like oh he came in really fast you know yeah. just because they have to save their money for exactly when they want to use that um also like in the uh, when he's running when neo's running uh, away from the agents to get out of the, the matrix at the end of the movie um it's like the lady in the kitchen holding the knife neo turns and the knife comes at him and it's a, an agent there like things like that yeah like they use creative ways around it Necess- necessity is the mother of invention that's what it is mm-hmm. you know you when you need to come up with a way of accomplishing something with limited resources guess what a lot of times you'll figure out a way to do that and usually it'll end up being more successful at achieving that than if you were just but like let's just slap cgi on it and i think in the, in the sequels which i like i said i need to stop referencing so much but i think in the sequels they just got lazy and there's like oh, let's cgi it instead of figuring out other <clears throat> figuring out other ways to to handle certain things plus the fact that neo at the end of this movie basically becomes a superhero flying away essentially they're like all right well we need to like cgi it up because there's, there's stuff in this in the reloaded that like when he's flying in the air and like all those cars and everything are whirling around behind him at the end of reloaded because mm-hmm. he's going to save trinity yeah. uh that actually looks really good there's stuff that not there's stuff in the in there that looks really good it's just the fact that they use CG for some of the hand-to-hand stuff looks really uh, cheesy and they look like rubber people. Um, if you remember, do you remember the video game The Path of Neo that we had on, I think, PS2? That's That was yes. one of my favorite levels because you got to actually walk, like, play a lot of these sequences from this movie. Yeah, and you could go and walk, uh, run on the walls. Yeah, that was, that was and, fun. I, so the whole time like watching that, I was like, shit, I have that game. I have, my, I have a PS2 still. Yeah. I should dig that out and be like... Yeah, and, and jump into that because that that was a fun. I, I don't think that game was very well received in general, but I I liked because I like that one. And I like the the one the, with the, the Smiths. Yeah, yeah. You get to fight the Smiths. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because it was it's like basically highlights to, from the trilogy from Neo's perspective. Exactly. I think because they put on Enter the Matrix and people were just like, "What the hell? I'm in like some other story playing as Jada Jada Pinkett. I don't want to play as Jada Pinkett Smith and this other dude." I want to play as Neo. So they're like, oh, okay, crap. You just want a game where you can play as Neo. All right, here you go. You're the one now. Yeah, congratulations. The path of Neo, yeah. Yeah, exactly, pretty much. <laughs> You're the one, congratulations. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I like both games for different reasons. They have that theme in it's, there. It's a, it's a subtle theme. It's but, subtle, exactly. Whereas yeah. with Sense8, because the world has changed, they can be like, oh, no, we're going to have gay characters, trans characters. It's all good, whatever. We're going to have orgy Yeah, scenes. there's like an orgy every other week or whatever on that. I mean, not week. It's not a, it's a you know what I mean? It's not yeah. aired every week to week, but... Like I watched the one episode I saw of that. I think there was an orgy. I was like, "Oh, what the fuck!" And then I came to realize, "Oh, that's a thing that they just do. Like we can all get inside each other's heads. That's just all fuck all the time." I'm like, "All right, whatever. Interesting. Yeah. That's good for them for doing their thing." Yeah, or you could think of it as like a metaphor. Maybe I have to watch that. Like they're all intertwined. Listen, and that's a way of I, feeling like intertwined and close with each yeah, other. No, by, yeah, that's. I mean, that, that makes sense. You have that connection, um, like mentally. So in a way. You know, if you have a mental connection, maybe it's like if you're going to display it, that might be how you display it. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I've I've 
I've seen pretty much everything the Wachowskis have done, except for their one TV show. I mean, the things that they've written, produced, all that stuff, like Ninja Assassin I saw, where I think they produced that, and it's not even a good movie. Mm. Um, so I need to watch Sensei. It's just, I, you know, I hope it's, it seems like it's kind of challenging, so I feel like I'd have to sit there and be like really focused. It's not like something I could put on in the background, like Supergirl, and be like, oh, okay, this is cool. So could Supergirl go, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it, it feels or like Riverdale. It's it just feels like crazy. a Matrix, right? Matrixy vibe, which I, which I, why well. I feel like I'd have to sit there and focus on it. And it's yeah, you do. hard to find time to want to focus on something, but it's still on Netflix, so it's still I'll definitely f- check that out. It's one of my favorite shows. I know, I know, you guys have watched it and you guys love it, so uh, I need to, I need to get it. Well, if you're one of your favorite shows, you should probably see how it ends. Also, just no, so. I'm just so sad. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever notice, did you ever consider it a plot hole, the fact that uh, no. Cypher, <laughs> well, I mean, we get there, <laughs> the fact that Cypher um, has, uh, you know, plugs himself in, I guess, and talks to uh, Agent Smith, like normally they have an operator kind of booting, loading them in or something like that. Did I'd you like ever consider to think it a plot that, hole? I'd like to think that they were, they were in the Matrix as a team together and he goes and breaks away from them and goes has that conversation mm-hmm. with Agent Smith. Okay. That's what I think. One, well, I, I, did a, I did a little search on this because I was wondering, I'm like, oh man, don't tell me this movie has a, has a uh, plot hole in it. This is, I, just, I just literally wrote on my notes this is a perfect movie. <laughs> don't tell me it's not a perfect movie. Don't take this away from me, yeah. uh, internet. And um, apparently the Wachowskis have said that uh, when Neo comes in to see uh, Cypher, remember he's like, Ooh, you scared the bejesus out of me, another Jesus reference, um, that um, he was working on an automated script where it can kind of load itself. And then I guess he just plugged himself in from behind. Mm-hmm. Um, which sounds kind of dirty. But how would he imagine. unplug himself out? He, well, I don't know. Unless uh, the, the script... Maybe, the, maybe the, the agents are part of the Matrix. Maybe they kicked him out. But him, that makes sense why he would react, like, like really jump so much when Neo shows up. Because if it was anybody other than Neo, they would be able to read the code and be like, hey, what the hell are you doing, man? You know? But Neo's just like, oh, do you always look at it in code? It's like, oh, blonde, brunette, redhead. You know, he doesn't know what the hell's going on. So, in science, it goes clearly, so fast. Well, he doesn't, he also can't read the code. He doesn't know what those, what that means. And yeah, it goes so fast, too. Um, but, um, you know, Cypher is obviously working after hours. Everybody's like asleep or whatever, and he's working on something secretly. Uh, so, it makes that kind of makes sense and makes me feel slightly better about the fact that he just randomly shows up having a steak dinner with Agent Smith, um, talking about wanting to be an actor and stuff. So, so yeah, I, um, I, I, I like that explanation, and I, I, I'll buy that. I guess is what I'm saying. I think that any movie where, like, I'm, I'm just going to call it the Matrix Complex. Okay. Where you think that you're in, uh, you think that your life is one way, and then the veil is lifted, and the whole world is isn't as it seems. Matrix complex. Yeah, because because there's several movies that are and shows that are like this, like the Truman Show. That's essentially the Matrix complex. Reality and perce- perception yeah. and reality. TV show veils unlifted. He, yeah, I mean he thinks it's his life. Veils unlifted. He's on a on a. He's, his Carey. life is a TV show. So one of my favorite, um, one of my two favorite movies there is apparently Jim West Carey. Westworld. 
Yeah. It's the same concept, you know. They they think that they're, you know, just in a saloon, you know, acting out well, every we day. We Inception a little bit. We referenced that. Bell's That's another lifted. one. They're just... You're, not in, you're in a dream, man, kid. or not. What? what, what Inception. Oh, Inception, yeah. Um, Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> You think um, okay, sort of. <laughs> you think like oh, you're in a you're in a video game, uh, veil lifted. There's this whole other world. There's this whole other world, and you're gonna you're gonna wreck it. Yeah, and you're gonna wreck it. Do you think people today would watch this movie and think that it's as incredible as we think it is, or is it because we grew up in? In that time where there was nothing like this anywhere around, I still don't feel like there's much like no, this. No, there's nothing. Much, I mean, I mentioned there's not much like this. A couple around. times I mentioned Inception being kind of similarly on in, in a try, you know, trying to achieve similar things as far as the perception and reality thing and challenging audiences to really think in new and interest new ways and kind of seeing the world in a way that they hadn't before, whether it's you know with dream levels or like through Neo's eyes as he's reading the code of the matrix. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, there's, there's few and far between. Like I but, love a lot but in of most movies today. Things, it's but. more, um, it's more CGI based, like say Avengers infinity war. Right. It's super action packed. A lot of CGI. That's the world that people are growing up. Like that's that, that right. cinematic experience. Everything people are growing a, up with now. Everything's shot in a warehouse with green screens. Exactly to on actual sets. Exactly the, like the the, the Planet of the Apes movies. It's all green screen. Right. You know, um, that's the the cinematic world that people are living in. That kids now are living in. Right. Are they going to go and look back at the Matrix that comes off as kind of like an indie action film? Are they going to look at it in, with the same? My kids are. They're going to be raised respect. watching the Matrix. Like, hey, of it? you better, you better, <laughs> better be respectful to the Matrix. Yeah. Thank or, you, Matrix. Or, or do we like it so much life. because we grew up with it and it's like a nostalgic thing and they're really wasn't anything well, near that. I think you can say the same. I mean, obviously, it's a then. different type of entertainment in a way but you could say the same thing about Star Wars that's like got another 20 something years on on the Matrix people are still talking about the original Star Wars they're not saying oh it feels dated oh it's dumb or whatever it's like well, it's like still considered young people or, though yeah young people too people okay. Star Wars is one of those multi-generational things that like people that were like were little kids in the 70s went to see it in theaters and are now like in their 50s are watching it and also people that are like you know I, it, five years old are still watching Star Wars so it, I think it also depends on what age you show your child well yeah I mean I wouldn't show my five year old the Matrix no but if you but show Daddy, are you we should... in a computer program uh, maybe maybe I don't, I don't know Elon Musk said we might be in a simulation yeah so. exactly if Elon Musk says it <laughs> it must be so <laughs> um so yeah, like if if you saw you showed your child Star Wars at a young age, they might be more susceptible to love Star Wars. But right. if you showed them when they're they're older and more judgmental to films because they don't see it through like that wide-eyed like fantastical like lens that mm-hmm. children view things. Right. Um that might be damaging to a lot of movies that have that like effect you know you know what i mean yeah 
like movies like the matrix and star Wars. Like it's more content carried, not as much CGI. Right. Like even, I mean, star Wars has a lot of CGI, but it's not like well, not CGI original, like now, not the original. Yeah. yeah the originals are miniatures and things like that. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean like the now star Wars have CG, but it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I know what you're saying. I think, I think it, there's there's enough richness here that I think it it's not going to appeal to kids the same way. Like you're not going to have little kids running around with Neo and Andrew Smith action figures <laughs> as much because it's not that kind of movie. It's more it's an adult sci-fi action thriller type of deal. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that once people reach adulthood, I think they will continue to discover this movie or, in the same way that they're watching, like, you know, Taxi Driver and, like, Scorsese things and or Tarantino think, well, those and Pulp Fiction and, you know, things like that. Those are, like, those are like, dramas, though. Dramas are, but are still, almost ageless But in, still, in there, a there's a, the ri- certain richness. It's films that have certain, films of a certain class, regardless of genre. And, I mean, The Matrix easily stands above most of like most sci-fi sci-fi ranges more than perhaps most genres sci-fi ranges from like you know sharknado level bullshit where like this is barely comprehensible as a movie Mm -hmm. let alone entertaining or anything it's like (laughs) this barely makes any fucking sense yeah and it's just kind of ludicrous bullshit thrown on screen to be silly whether you enjoy that or not you know whether the acting sucks you know like the room style type where it's a movie so bad it's entertaining or it's just a shitty movie uh and then all the way over to like some of the best movies ever made in sci-fi yeah a lot of them and i think the matrix is firmly entrenched on the latter the latter end of the spectrum so there you have it. That's the bonus content for the original Matrix episode from 2019. Uh, stay tuned in a few days for the Matrix Revolutions episode with Jackson and I talking about that third part of the Matrix trilogy. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening and stick around. The Matrix still has you. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. Z-R-O-O-K-E-D. <laughs>